0: Hello, another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate players' cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. This is uh, part four of our series on the Hart Trophy, and we are talking about Hart trophies in um, the expansion to the merger era, so from 1968 through 1979. My name is Riley. Over there is Bill.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: We are recording this in the midst of uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic um my hope is that as this sits on the internet in many years this will seem like a quaint little oh remember when thing but who yeah, knows like, oh
1: they re- they recorded that why did they even mention it it wasn't that big yeah, of a deal like, yeah,
0: yeah i mean here's hoping here's hoping that's where things are in a couple of weeks but we don't know yet because uh, it is mid-march um and so we are both self-isolating so what better time than to uh, uh record a podcast yeah so um, we are going to start things off with the 1967-68 season, the first season in NHL history to have 12 teams, I believe, because I believe at its peak, the earlier pre-original six only had like 10 or 9 yeah, or
1: something. Yeah, when well, they had like Quebec and Ottawa, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and for 1968, Stan Makeda won his second Hart Trophy. The Blackhawks were fourth Um in the standings overall out of 12. So that's much better than fourth out of six, obviously. Uh, but SRS has them as fifth. So slightly worse than that, but Makita had a good year. Um, he was three points up on, uh, Phil Esposito for the overall, the art Ross lead. Um, he did not lead in goals or assists. He just was, uh, you know, he's fourth in in, uh, assists and he was, uh, I don't know. He wasn't in the top five in goals. Um, But, uh, you know, he was uh, ahead of Esposito, and Esposito um, was on the Bruins, who were basically about the same as the Blackhawks in terms of record. Um, So I guess you could maybe argue in favor of him instead, but the voters didn't feel that way, as Esposito didn't get any votes. Um, Beliveau, Beliveau got the votes, uh, Bellavo did not finish in the top five in points. Um, I didn't write down how many he got because it didn't seem like it was it was much of a... Oh, he had 68. Sorry, I did write it down. So he was 19 off of uh, Stan Mikita, Six. but he was the best player on the best team, of course. So yeah. if there is any controversy at all, it is either that Esposito got no votes or that Bellavo, who was the best forward on the, the Habs, who were the best team. I don't know, but I mean... I don't know that there's a lot of controversy. I mean, he's the Art Ross winner. His team made the playoffs, no problem. Um, they were the you know worst playoff team in the East Division, but this is back in the day when the, uh, the NHL had this really stupid new teams versus old teams.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so that they'd get one of the new teams into the final, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that it meant the Blackhawks were fourth in the Eastern Division while also being fourth overall. Yeah. Exactly. And the Philadelphia Flyers who were first in the West, the so-called West, the, they're in Philadelphia, they are um you know, very far <laughs> yeah. east of Chicago. Uh were uh were worse than the Maple Leafs who missed the playoffs in the East. Yeah. So it is like take like terrible NBA and some NHL like conference disparity and just make it so much worse. It's just so much worse anyway i don't know. do you have a do you have a hot take that makita shouldn't have won it
1: no i do not no it's uh he seems like he was far and away the best player that year and anybody who anybody who comes close i don't think has enough of a case to be like why would like you know if you want to talk about esposito or bellyvo you're like like you could you could say hey maybe he should get some consideration but it's not it's not one of those years where you're like why did this guy win it it's not even like a you know, it's very debatable between two players. It's like, these other guys deserve, you know, to maybe fight it out for second and third. But I think clearly Makita wins this one.
0: Yeah, I think the only real thing you could get upset about is the fact that Esposito didn't get any votes, period. It doesn't really yes, make I sense. Know. Yeah. But that was probably Reputation, right? Because he had been yeah. on Chicago and he wasn't a star on Chicago. And yes, I believe not. that was his first or second season on the Bruins. Yeah. So, segue... S- In 1969, Esposito uh, began his incredible run of just dominating the league offensively. Um, He had 126 points, which broke the record by a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember off the top of my head the exact number, but I'm going to look it up right now because uh, it's something. So it was, oh, he broke it by third, sorry, Twenty nine. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So, uh, not only that, the Bruins were the second best team by record. SRS paints them as the best team. So I mean, this is this is about as no doubter uh, as uh, it gets, right? Yeah. He broke the the art raw uh, the scoring record by twenty nine points, and he's on the objectively best team as well. I mean, yes, they were second in the, in the standings, but like. So, what? All right. Um, jumping ahead, we're plowing through this so far. There's, there's not going to be any controversy for a couple of years, I think, but we're going to get to there at some point. So, 1970, Bobby Orr's first ever Hurt Trophy. Um, the Bruins were tied for first in uh, points, and they were second by SRS. More importantly, Bobby Orr is the first defenseman in history. Uh, to lead the NHL in points, and he led the NHL in points by 21 Man. O- over Esposito. He had 120 points, making him the first ever defenseman also to have 100 points. I mean, given that there were only a couple players in history—oh, sorry, or yeah, a couple players—maybe just Phil Esposito, who had only ever had 100. It was something. But yeah, Whew.
1: yeah, it's a, when you, when you look at Bobby Orr's stats, like it's like. But was he playing forward be like no oh, no he's yeah. playing defense. <laughs> well playing his nice.
0: his 87 assists are not like it wasn't so long ago that like makita had 87 points to lead the league in 68
1: uh-huh
0: bobby Orr had 87 assists
1: yeah Oh, that that uh that bruins team was just like you have a you know the greatest defenseman of all time and yeah. a hall of fame
0: and, and some might something. say the the greatest uh uh player of all time
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm on on that team,
0: yeah. Yeah, me (laughs) too. The Bruins scored 277 goals in 76 games. They would outdo themselves shortly. I don't know if 277 goals is a record for this year. It's very close to it. If it wasn't, they would, of course, blow by that um, in a year or two. Um, The other thing I'd just like to point out that that, – hockey references we've talked about many times in the show has something called point shares and point shares are a function of how much a player contributed to team points. And they are divided into three types, offensive point shares, defensive point shares and goalie point shares. Goalie point shares are both. They're not offensive or defensive. They're both, even though they're mostly defensive, they're counted as just a point share. Whereas for a forward, you add up his offensive and defensive to get his total point shares. Bobby Orr led the league in offensive point shares this year as well, which is um, wow crazy because he is a a defenseman, yeah. uh, and uh, he uh, he led Esposito by almost three, which is a lot. Okay. Anyway, was was
1: was was that the season where he finished like plus one hundred and twenty four or plus one hundred and twenty eight or whatever it was.
0: I don't know. I mean, he was always plus ridiculous, but I'm not sure if that's the year he No, this he that's was only plus he was only plus 54 this season. Oh, that's Terri- oh, well, really really was a terrible. A
1: pedestrian season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, he was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, 1971 is his second in the row. He was on the Bruins. The Bruins were the best team in the league this year. They were also uh, they had the most team points in NHL history. With 121, no one had had anywhere near that before. Also, they scored almost 400 goals. uh, 399 in 78 games. So, they were good. And they were actually decent defensively, too. They only gave up 207, which is like 30 more than the New York Rangers, who were the best defensive team in the league. Um, Bobby Orr had uh, a better year. With 139 points, but Esposito smashed his own points record. He had 152. Wow. So the question, of course, would be, you have a forward and a defenseman on the best team in the league. The team has scored more goals than any team in NHL history by a lot. What did I say the last Bruins team scored, 277 or something? So this is 120-something more. Wow. Um, Who do you give it to? I mean, I I think I know our answers, but – I'm, I'm just trying to create a way of controversy. I don't actually yeah. believe it. I think there there aren't that many people who think that uh, Bobby Orr is a function of Phil Esposito. I think a lot of people think Phil Esposito is a little bit a function of Bobby Orr. Yeah, um, it's not like he wasn't talented. It's just that he, uh, you know, he benefited from having possibly the best player in history playing with him.
1: Very true. But you know, then again, when you look at Esposito, really his when you realized how great he was himself was, you know, the 72 series when he didn't yeah. have Bobby or there, Bobby or didn't play. Otherwise it yeah. wouldn't have been that close. Right. But like, yeah. uh, he, he, he was the driving force to not let Canada lose that. Like he basically just, you know, everybody get on my back. I'm going to, yeah. you yeah. know, just then played like a, you know, like an animal out there. he was so
0: And he big. had, he had the best offensive season in the history of the NHL this year. Right. Yeah. He scored 76 goals in 78 games. Yeah, if if and, it's not
1: for Bobby Orr, he's yeah. he's getting it for sure. Yeah, he wins and, the arc, yeah. and then maybe maybe he ends up being one of those guys like um uh like Brad Park. Like you're yeah. just like if it's not for Bobby Orr, you win a lot of like really important trophies and bolster your like Hall of Fame credentials and get get involved in talks of like was were you the best of your era, but because of Bobby Orr, you're just sort of like, Well, yeah, there was you know, there's Bobby Orr, then there's everybody else kind of thing, you know. So so he, yeah. he takes, you know, rightly or wrongly, he takes a lot of trophies away from people who have yeah. great years. But it's just kind of like when Gretzky was in there, you know. People used yeah. to, when people started doing like hockey pools, like rotisserie leagues and stuff like that. A lot of leagues had a, like, you, you're not allowed to draft Gretzky rule because just he was yeah. so much better than everybody else. Like, well, yeah, if we let you draft Gretzky first overall, you already won the pool. Like, it won't even be close. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Bobby Orr thing. Like, yeah, like, he's kind of on another level where... It was
0: actually a pretty close vote, though. Um, uh, yeah. 30, 40% to 33%. So clearly some people were torn about it. Um, I would like to point out also just about how good this team was. Despite the fact that I believe they uh, they lost to the Habs, that um, they they uh, they scored more than a hundred goals more than the next best team. Wow. Three ninety nine <laughs> to two ninety one. Jesus. So they were That's, very very good.
1: That is do- that is like ridiculous dominance. And That's... then
0: somehow somehow they did not. Uh, <laughs> they won. They lost in a seven game series in the first round of the playoffs to the Habs.
1: Yeah, well, that's the hab story, right? Like, yeah, always, yeah. You always have Bruin, the Bruins number. It's
0: unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, up next we have um, seventy-two, in which Bobby Orr won his third straight trophy. The Bruins were once again uh, the best team in the league by uh, both SRS and rankings. They didn't. No, they only scored three hundred and thirty goals this year. The bums. And moreover, the the rest of the league caught up to. There were three teams that scored three hundred goals that year. Um, Esposito only had one hundred and thirty three points. Bobby Orr only had one hundred and seventeen. Terrible. Um, but otherwise, basically the same again. Similar ratios too, right? Similar, like even though they had fewer points, they still had few like similar in comparison to uh, like you know. uh, The previous season, Espo had 152, Bobby Orr had 139. This season, Espo had 133, Orr had 117. So not far off each other, Um, but, you know, not a little bit less than the year before. Again, it's kind of, especially if you're like Bill and I, and you you feel that Bobby Orr is the best player of all time, it's kind of hard to argue the case for uh, Espo. Um, You know, I mean... They had roughly compared to each other. They had roughly similar seasons to the previous year, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's it's not. If basically, you only find this controversial if you found the previous year controversial. I feel like, um, and I don't. I'm I'm not saying it is controversial. I'm just like, uh, you know, pointing it out that it's the same case essentially, aside from the fact that. Esposito smashed the points record in in '71. It's yeah. otherwise the same case of or versus Esposito. Both guys on the same team. It's whether or not you think who drives the play more and stuff. Yeah. The the only difference being this year Esposito finished third in voting instead of second. Yeah, because it's, Ken Dryden had a good season apparently.
1: It's 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 interesting that uh, that seems to be like a pattern for the Bruins where it's like who's the more important guy and it's always a defenseman and a. And, uh, and a forward, like it's, uh, you yeah. know, they the same dynamic with uh, with Bork and Cam Neely, like which one of them's actually the one that's, you know, like they're both Hall of Famers, but which one of them's the one that's really driving this team. And I guess you could even argue at a certain point with Chara and Bergeron, like they, they always seem to have that pattern where they've got, you know, guys who are Hall of Famers, but one of them's on defense, one of them's at forward. And you it's really hard to decipher who's the better player because they play different positions, right? They do different yeah. things as well. So it's uh, makes it a little bit tricky, I think.
0: Are you ready for some controversy?
1: Yes, I am. <laughs>
0: 1973, we have Bobby Clark winning his first Hart Trophy. Wow. Um, Bobby Clark was on the Flyers. The Flyers were seventh overall by points. They were second in their division, but they were still seventh overall, and SRS has them as sixth. So basically halfway between the the you know best team and the, the worst playoff team. So... Here is a list of things that Bobby Clark was, for those of you who are curious, because (laughs) he, of course, has this reputation. Well, it depends now. I think his reputation is probably on the toilet slightly since violence has started to drip out of the game. But for a very long time, he had a bit of a reputation. So... Clark was not in the top five in goals. He was not in the top 10 in goals per game. He was third in assists. He was fourth in assists per game. He was second in points. He was fourth in points per game. He was fourth in goals created. He was seventh in goals created per game. He was not in the top five in plus minus. He was the sixth best offensive player in the league by point shares. And he was the 10th best player in the league by point shares. Sorry, I said uh, point shares for offensive point shares for the uh, sixth best. So he was not by any objective metric the best player in the league the argument for his heart trophy is that he was really 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 dirty and hard to play against yes <laughs> phil esposito had 130 points uh bobby or had this uh, had 101 which was only three less than bobby clark i believe he may have missed a game or two i don't remember did he uh yeah uh Bobby Orr put up 101 in, in 63 games. I should point out, uh, um, which is uh, good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> he, so here's here's here are the top here are the top four players in points per game in the NHL in 1973. Phil Esposito 1.67, Bobby Orr 1.6, Stan Mikita 1.46, Bobby Clark 1.33. Ooh, he has .34 off of Phil Esposito. And point two seven off of uh, a defenseman. Um, so I I understand there is a group of people who who love Bobby Clark and think Bobby Clark is you know the embodiment of a certain type of hockey. I also know that having spent some time on hockey forums on the internet, that that view is starting to shift because of how unbelievably dirty he was. I I did not watch him play because. He was playing when I was a toddler. Like, old, old Bobby Clark was playing when I was a toddler. Um, mm-hmm. I also have a bad taste in my mouth from him believing that Lindros should play with his concussion. Yes. That is really all I know of Bobby Clark is that he tried to force Lindros to play. He was a GM for the Flyers, for people who don't know that, and, he, and Lindros had concussion problems, and Bobby Orr thought he was a, a pussy. Let's basically put it that way. Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark. Jesus. Sorry, Bobby or <laughs> just want uh, to clear that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is, I, you may feel differently than me, but my, my take on this is he is so far behind Esposito and, Orr in terms of per, points per game. And his team is demonstrably worse than theirs by a lot. Um, we can go over the numbers if you want. Um, that I would need like a lot of footage of him just absolutely shutting down people. I would like to hope at least some of the time legally to like yeah, I mean, think he, that he, he deserves
1: can't it. Just, he can't have just been cross checking people in the mouth. Like he had to do some, he had to yeah. do some legal stuff, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he, the selkie didn't exist yet. The selkie came in the late seventies. And so, and I, I'm not sure you should award the selkie to a guy who just beats people up. I feel like the selkie should go to a guy who is like good defensively in the within the rules, like Datsuk and or Ryan and O'Reilly. Take
1: penalties and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but the thing was too at that time, no, nobody was playing, you know, like a Lady Bing style of game, or yeah. the few players who were, like, you know needed to be protected by their teammates. But even then in those, like even Bobby Orr fought, like you just, you couldn't get away from it. People were going to yeah. challenge you because yeah. that's just the way hockey was in the seventies. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. slap shot becomes a movie for a reason, right? It's like, yeah. it's, it's an, it's an, an exaggeration of how bad it was, but not by that much. <laughs>
0: you know, but I guess my, my, rough. we were talking about Beliveau last episode and sort of like, did his defense pick up for the fact that he was like way behind in the art Ross race. And I have a similar question here because, of course, Bobby Clark is 26 points off the lead in the Art Ross race. And the only reason Bobby Orr didn't pass him is because Bobby Orr played 70 something, or 70 something, uh, uh, like 15 games fewer than him or something like that. Yeah. So to me, I don't see a case here. It's a case that I would have to watch film for. And frankly, given his reputation, I'm, I would, I wouldn't be surprised to watch some film of just like you said, him cross checking people in the face yeah, and slashing people in the ankles and like, yeah. you know, and being like, well, uh, <laughs> this isn't making a good impression on me. But, yeah. but but that that's
1: the thing, though, like, even though like a lot of people remember, um, you know, the Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies, they just beat everybody up. But like yeah. they did beat, beat people up and intimidate them, but they could play. Like they could look, they were legitimately quite good at hockey. They just preferred to make it really, really tough on you so you didn't want to play. Well,
0: and they were, yeah, they were better in future years. So, yes. my quibble with this one is that the next year, the Flyers were a lot better hockey team, yeah. And so, like, why it went to him in a year when they were, meh, yeah, you know, like. Nine playoff spots in this year, and they're seventh. You know, like it's not great. I don't know why there are nine playoff spots. That oh no, sorry, there's eight playoff spots, which makes way more sense. Yeah, uh, because of the stupid divisional rankings. Uh, one team, uh, the 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 Red Wings, who were a better hockey team, believe it or not, who are a better hockey team by uh, um, by points than the Flyers somehow. Um, can you believe it? The 70s Red Wings were better than the Flyers one year. That's really? Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, SRS-wise, they were, they were significantly better, actually. Uh, so this just goes to show you, this was not a good Flyers hockey team. They were good later. Yeah. Next year, in fact, specifically when they won the Stanley Cup. So it's weird to yeah. me that he won it this particular year because the Flyers were not yet good. So I don't know what was going on there in people's minds.
1: Maybe, um, maybe it was just sort of um, pe- people getting a little bit tired of always giving it oh, to uh, to a 100%. Bruins player and just like, 100%. well, that guy had a good season. The Flyers we, are getting better. He's the best player. On that. I season, I,
0: but, I know people hate me bringing up uh, the sport of basketball, but uh, <laughs> you know Jordan Jordan got uh, got some Jordan tiredness. You know, yes. and they they gave MVPs to uh, I believe Charles Barkley and Karl Malone as a result of Jordan fatigue. 100%. So Bobby Clark presumably also benefited from. I mean, you could you could argue this is this is Phil Espinosa, I think, right? Because I, I, like, I, yeah. Bob, uh, as much as Bobby Orr had a great season, he was hurt, and it's the one time you could actually argue like in the yeah. past few years, like look at es- Espo was healthier and he. He, yeah, Bobby Orr still had an incredible year, but like he carried them a little bit the Bruins a little bit more.
1: I, I think it's definitely uh, Espositos.
0: yeah.
1: And I'm, so. I'm not saying that Clark's like you know not not should be in the conversation. like I'm sure he had a great season, and you know it's it's worth noting that he he played on a team with not nearly as much help. yeah because those Bruins teams are pretty stacked. but I, I you know the, the point it's hardly is, the point total is a pretty glaring difference, right?
0: It's hardly an egregious egregious one. It's just yeah. it's clearly he's not the best choice. Yeah. It's just that he's not the worst choice either. We've definitely seen years where you know, um, I mean he uh, there's definitely years where he like other years where the player who won was the was a really bad choice, but like, I just think yeah, I think Esso is a better choice. But yeah, I don't like it's not offensive like Al Rollins or somebody. You know, it's just since they could be better. So going on to seventy four, uh, Espo won his second this time. The Bruins were once again the best team in the league, uh, but this time the Flyers were the second best team in the league. So the Flyers are now good, um, but Bobby Clark only came in fourth in voting this time. Who knows why? <laughs> yeah, uh, Espo had one hundred and forty five points. Oh, because Clark had a worse year. That's why. Uh Bobby Orr had 122 points. I think you can very much this is one of those years where you could have easily argued for Bobby Orr. Um, yeah. because they have very similar years to those two years in which Orr won it and Espo didn't in terms of their who had slightly more points. But I mean it's not like he's a bad Esposito's a bad choice. Yeah. Just I if it was me voting, I probably yeah. would have voted for Bobby Orr, but like Esposito's fine. Uh, He's the Art Ross winner on the best team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 75. uh, We are back to Bobby Clark, his second. Mm -hmm. So Philadelphia Flyers are. Oh, I should also mention by this point, the league has expanded more. There are now uh, 16 teams Mm -hmm. and there were 17, 16, 17. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't count. There are 18. Uh, and uh, Bobby Clark is on the Flyers. The Flyers are first in points, but it's worth noting they were tied for first in points with the Sabres, actually, and the and the Habs. So three teams, three-way tie for first. And of those teams, the Flyers were the worst by SRS, by, but barely, just a little bit more than the Sabres. Not that anyone knew that at the time. Your, uh, Bobby Orr led the league in points again. So I got to say, it's a little weird to have a defenseman, the league, the league in points and not win the art, but you know, what yeah. can you
1: do? I know, right. <laughs> yeah, that it's, is, a uh, it's a little
0: strange, a little odd, yeah. odd choice to make. Um, but like, you know, I wasn't there. I yeah. didn't, I didn't watch. Um,
1: and that was the year the Flyers won, right? Uh, was that-
0: uh it was the second year the Flyers won. The okay. Flyers won the year before, and the, yeah, but of course this is a regular season award. Um, so Bobby Clark, uh, again not the best year. Um, yeah, he he uh, he didn't. So there were. So first of all, there's Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito. Or has 135 points, which is almost... He didn't quite tie his record for most points by a defenseman, but he was a few, four, I think, off. Esposito had 127. Marcel Dion on Detroit, who were bad, had 121. Guy Lafleur on the better Montreal Canadians, because, of course, they had the same number of um, points as the Flyers, but they had a better goal differential by a fair amount. Um... Guy Lafleur had 119. Pete Mahovlich, his his center on the famous donut line, because Mahovlich was not actually a center, um, had 117, and then Bobby Clark had 116. So there's that. Um, I mean, picking one of the three best, picking a forward from one of the three best teams, seems like a reasonable choice, except for the fact that a defenseman scored 135 points and that defenseman is at least both Bill and I are going by reputation here because we of course were not alive uh-huh. when Bobby Orr was playing but he is not Paul Coffey yeah you know it's one thing if a defenseman leads the league in uh in scoring and is Paul Coffey uh it's another if it's you know Bobby Orr I feel like and, excuse me, <coughs> one day in, in the distant future, I will invest in a cough button. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, I feel like there's a just a whiff of controversy. It's not a lot, but it's a whiff of controversy.
1: I, I, I would say so. When the defenseman leads the, the league in points, uh, I, th- I think, you know, that's that's an exceptional enough and rare enough thing. Yeah. That that would probably get the award every time. That said, Bobby Orr had kind of, if it wasn't for Esposito, would have done that many years in a row. Yeah. And I feel like people were just sort of, you know, yes, we know he's the greatest, but, you know, Clark's team won the Cup. So, you know, if he's the driving force on that team, we got to recognize that. You know, and they'd already given him one, so giving him yeah. another one doesn't seem so egregious. And I feel like if we watched him play back then, he was probably sort of the chief guy that got everybody... You know, playing so hard and so like that Flyers' way of playing that like people are like, yeah, he's the most valuable player because they follow him and he's the one who gets them to play that intimidating style, and the rest of the league just can't do it. (laughs) You know, like
0: yeah. Um, I should mention that or uh, Esposito didn't make it into the top five in voting, which is funny. Um, I mean, to me, if I was voting, I would have been or Lafleur Clark. I think. Um, and I might have even included uh, Gilbert Perrault. I, I I would have to see his points. Yeah. Um, the one the one thing that the uh, the Flyers have over um, over the other two best teams in the league is that they were the best defensive team in the league, and you know part of his the whole thing about Bobby Clark is that he was really really hard to play against. Yeah. So. Provided he wasn't always always hurting people, um, you know. On the other hand, Bernie Perron had like thirteen shutouts, <laughs> so it wasn't just, uh, you know. Or sorry, yeah, 12, well, it's he had twelve. He had twelve shutouts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I would have picked Bobby Orr, but um, yeah, I'm not I, I, again. I agree with yeah, again with with it's just like the other one it's not awful it's just it just has a little whiff of controversy right like it it, it's not like they went and picked like you know i don't know gary unger or something right (laughs) like yeah it's not like that but it's it's uh i don't know it it could be uh, it could be worse it could be a little bit a little a little bit better but I agree with you. I think there was a lot of fatigue. And I, the other thing I do wonder about, and I was sort of, I meant to say this earlier when I was mentioning the Selkie, is like Bobby Orr was winning the Norris every season, we should point yes. out, right? And so there's yes. probably a little bit of, well, he's getting an award already.
1: Yeah. And a the thing
0: bit. is, had the Selkie existed, it might have tempered that enthusiasm a little bit with, as much yeah. as I wouldn't have necessarily awarded the Selkie to Bobby Clark based on his habit for harming people. Um <laughs> I I don't know. It was the seventies. I might have felt very differently. Oh uh, I'm sure you would have. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like had he had that award, you know um it might have calmed them down a little bit with wanting to just give him the heart, right? Yeah, maybe. So here's one of the reasons why this is important is as we, we started out in the very first episode of the show, I believe it was, we read out the number of like the, the players with more than one heart trophy, you know, from the, from Wayne Gretzky and Gordie, Howe to like the players who have um, uh, fewer. And one of the weird things about it is that Bobby Clark has three, which is weird because if you, if you go by Hart Trophy numbers, that puts him among the very best players in NHL history. Yeah. But the thing is, his third one in 1976 it's not the worst. His <laughs> second and he it's a, it's possibly the best one, the the one yep. in which he has the best case. The Flyers were the second best team in the league, sure, but they were sort of the second or third best team in the league the year before. Um, he was second in points in the league. He had 119, Gilofer had 125. Um you know, it, it, he he has as good if not a better case this year than any of the other ones he he won. I'm not I'm still not sure he deserves it. But, <laughs> but he actually a better case. he has a better case, I think. How do you feel? Um mm. Sorry, but I, I'm interrupting you to say he was also plus 83.
1: Ooh, okay. Which is wonderful.
0: really really good.
1: Yeah. That's incredible.
0: Um, I don't people are no longer plus 80 free. It doesn't happen anymore.
1: No, I just can't. Um y- you know what it's I, I I think that last one I'm totally okay with. Yeah. Um, the other ones I think that you know in any other year if Bobby Orr hadn't already won a few of them and people were sort of like, "Oh, but he gets the Norris and yeah, he always gets 100 points." Like sort of not not like realizing just how rare and like exceptional that is so it's almost like the guy's so good you just expect him to do it every year so it's not impressive anymore yeah, yeah. Um, and you know it's sort of the same thing with a guy like michael jordan or you know like the lebron james when he was at his peak it's just like yeah it's just what he does like why are we giving him the mvp like nobody yeah. else can do that be like yeah he's kind of a freak in nature like there's no way he should be you know that good and if anybody else has a season that's even close to what they do you're like hmm i'm tempted to give it to that other guy and <laughs> it's like yeah. and you know and and being on a team that's winning helps a lot uh, helps a lot as well right because the the bruins weren't winning then so and not that they weren't good but they weren't winning cups you know in the flyers
0: yeah. Part, so. yeah yeah and i think some a lot of this a lot of bobby clark's three parts comes into the fact that the flyers played better in the well better did better in the playoffs um which involves some physical violence. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I think that really helps. Um, and I think also it's worth noting, I, you know, I complained about how Perron had 12 shutouts the year before. The Flyers yep. got one shutout from their goalies in, in 76. Okay. Wow. And we're still, um, they were not the best defensive team in the league, but they were the third best. Um, anyway, I, I mean, I'm not sure he deserves a single one, but this is the one that I'm most, most willing to give to him personally. I still think I think there's a case here for Guy LaFleur pretty clearly. Art Ross yeah. winner on best team in the league. But if you're gonna if you're gonna point a gun at my head and say pick one of Bobby Clark's three heart trophies, which one does he deserve, it's it's seventy six.
1: I I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, moving ahead to seventy seven, wow we're plowing through this. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Probably a good thing. I mean, yeah, it there's is. It's just not like, enough
1: controversy to have.
0: Like, yeah. No, no, I, well, that's what I was saying. Uh, I was thinking ahead of time. is like, we got so bogged down in the 50s because there were all these terrible trophies where you're yeah. just like, oh my God, what were you thinking, voters? And then you go to the 70s and it's like, yeah, there's a few Bobby Clark ones where are sort of iffy, but otherwise it's almost every year. It's just like, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. Speaking of making sense, 1977, uh, the Habs were the... Uh, best team in the league. Um yep. they were more than a little bit the best team in the league. But they had 132 team points. They scored 387 goals. They gave up 171. Um that is more than double. Uh so, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked at like ratios, but I feel like more two two goals for everyone is pretty good. Um Gilliflower had 136 points. He was among the Habs, of course, because it's Gilliflower. He was 14 points ahead of Marcel Dion, who was on the Kings. The Kings were, I believe, quite bad because you know they're the Kings in the seventies. So there wasn't much of a challenge there. Uh, Larry Robinson had a really good year. So the only he had a he was plus 120. Larry Robinson so the only controversy that I can muster up is should it have gone to Larry Robinson instead of Guy Lafleur and I'm not you know my heart isn't in this I'm just saying it to create some kind of like talking point (laughs) I think Guy Lafleur is a fine choice for this I have no problem with it whatsoever
1: yeah I don't have a problem with that at all
0: I would also be fine with Larry Robinson, but I think, you know, the standard is usually you win the Art Ross on the best team in the league, you win the Art Trophy.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it, right? And I mean, Guy Lafleur was, you know, a a lot of people, you know, I think in in that time were starting to consider him, you know, now that Bobby Orr was, you know, injured all the time and his career was coming to an end, and Esposito was slowing down and Bobby Clark, you know, they'd sort of broken that mystique of like, the, the, the rough and tough is the only hockey that wins in the seventies. And then the Habs beat the Flyers to sort of break that sort of myth of like, yeah, we, we came in and we played, we matched them physically and then we just beat them at hockey. Like we kicked their ass sort of thing. And we're just like, oh yeah, I guess skill, skill does win. You don't need to be the toughest team in the league. You just need to be the best team in the league. And so I think um, at, at, the, at that time, a lot of people may have considered Nilo to be the best player in the league. I mean, he was yeah. 50 goals all the time and just, you know, that image of him flying out of uh, the way... 120
0: points every season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just... He was so good. Um, so It was I, also I, the Habs.
0: That was, like, basically... That was the... the 77, I, I should have mentioned, was the year the, the best team. The Habs are yeah. the best team in the history, basically. Yeah. Like, Habs,
1: uh, what, 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 did they lose eight, eight games all year?
0: Uh, Yeah. They lost yeah, eight.
1: It's, cr- yeah. it's crazy. They were yeah. crazy
0: good. On the uh, other hand, there were 12 ties because it was the 70s. Yeah. 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 And, but, uh, yes... Yeah, eight yeah, losses.
1: I th- I think it was when when Detroit broke the record, I think.
0: Yeah, in the uh, mid 90s. Or,
1: or, or, yeah, like 129 points or something, but they played more games or yeah. um uh, or they It was uh,
0: 132 points. Then. 129 yeah, 129 they had in 78, which yeah, they regressed slightly.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so 132. Yeah, maybe the Red Wings didn't even make it. I don't know if they made it or not. Um uh, maybe they did, but um, I
0: think yeah. I think I don't think uh I feel like the Habs maybe don't have the record anymore. I could be wrong, but like you're right. It's in, I think it's uh, Detroit Detroit Yeah, in, but I think in. More there's more games, like a, yeah.
1: There's more games, so the winning percentage isn't quite as high.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, speaking of the 78 Habs, Guy Lefler wins it again. Uh-huh. They were once again in first, and like I said, they regressed by three points. They only had 129. Good and Lord. this time, they only scored 359 goals and gave up 183 shock horror. It's terrible. Wow. Um had 132 points. He was only nine points ahead of Trottier for the lead. Yeah. Um so the you know in a slightly worse year, he was still uh the best forward in the league, demonstrably. Um Larry Robinson didn't have quite the same crazy year, I think, as well. I'm just looking. oh yeah, yeah. No he only had, he was only plus seventy-one this year, not plus hundred and twenty. Um but yeah, um, I mean, it's again, it's kind of open and shut. Um, yeah, Guy Lafleur was the best forward on the best team.
1: Yeah, and a like super dominant team too. It wasn't close. Yeah,
0: to well, see. yeah. I mean, the thing is, we, we we're not really talking about this because we're talking about Hart trophies. I guess we probably should talk about it a little bit for people mm-hmm. who don't know. Yeah. But you know. The the argument for the best team in the history of the NHL is is mostly I think there's there might be a few people who want to argue some other teams but like it's basically the late seventies Habs yeah. and Exhibit A is 1977 and Exhibit B is 1978 yeah um, and you know uh, you and know, they're we, in the middle of winning four cups too like I mean,
1: yeah you know. yeah yeah
0: in 78 they had ten losses instead of eight losses. So you know they were clearly shitty. I I don't think I told you, Bill, as a is a huge aside, but I'm going to tell you anyway while we're recording. I, I I finally read the game Ken Dryden's book.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. And how, uh, how was
0: it? I enjoyed it. I I had such I had such super high expectations about it because everyone told me it's the best hockey book ever written. That for the first little while I I was disappointed, only because it wasn't like quite as incredible as i was imagining because he's a hockey player right and even though he is a good writer there's still like he is not a writer first he's a hockey player who became a writer a lawyer writer gm politician (laughs) but but it was really interesting to read his his impressions about the other players and you know and his whole like feelings about Winning streaks and losing streaks were fascinating, especially for a team that was as good as the Habs. Yeah. It's interesting to know that they were as neurotic as any other hockey team or sports team in history. Like, despite being really good, they were terrified that they were going to lose all the time, (laughs) which is amazing because, as we just talked about, they were the best team in the history of the sport, basically um so that was it was it was interesting and to anyone who hasn't read it yet I would highly highly recommend it even though I started out thinking I don't know why this is the best book about hockey ever it's certainly the best book I've ever read about hockey yeah uh, and uh, yeah well, highly um, worth reading.
1: B- ball you know going off on another tangent ball four kind of starts off a bit weak too when you're when you're reading uh and it's generally regarded as the best baseball book yeah but I haven't read about, ball four but by the time you're halfway through you're like, this is phenomenal. Like, it's yeah, so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, it's a, a uh, Some of those books take a little while to get going. Yeah, the early yeah. parts, like just the, either the beginning of their career, or this is what I was like when I was younger, and the memories maybe aren't as vivid or they're trying to just – get that information out there so you know kind of their place in the league and then they get to be like little stories and you know like that interesting yeah. stuff about you know how neurotic they were about their superstitions and apparently like
0: oh so superstitious so superstitious.
1: Uh, apparently all the greats are like that there was a, an article i was reading a little while ago that a guy um that used to play for the penguins wrote and uh crosby when i'm like i think it was a 16 or 18 game point streak yeah. And he was playing really well and the night that Crosby finally like broke out of a slump and scored a couple of goals and had like five, you know, three or four points or whatever. Yeah. the guy the guy had come in and uh Crosby had told him a story and Crosby during that point streak would tell him the same story every night. And the guy had to oh, sit cool. there and pretend like it was the first time he'd ever heard it. Like, Oh really? Wow. no That they basically have the same conversation over and over again before the game. Cause he was on a hot streak. It's like, dude, that's crazy. That's, <laughs> like, that's,
0: that's uh yeah, it's yeah. not healthy. <laughs> no,
1: it's probably not, but they're, they're, it seems like they're so ultra competitive and so yeah. um, superstitious and they just have to feel right to go play. Yeah. That, um,
0: yeah um yeah i mean i i i definitely have i uh, thank you for reminding me i need to read ball four um yeah. i mean my issue more with the game was it was not so much it was he was describing his early years but it was also just like because i've been told like 18 million times this is the best book ever written by hockey and you have those expectations and you go in and you're just like no matter what it is, it's not going to live up to that, right? Because no, like, no, that's you, it. and you got to get used to every author has their own rhythm, and you got to get used to the rhythm. And no, I've never written, yeah. I've never read, uh, I'd read a couple articles Dryden had, had written, but not any books. Anyway, yeah. highly recommended. Uh, it is about th- this next season, um, the seventy-eight seventy-nine season. This is, I guess, how I'm going to segue back into the podcast, in which Dryden won the Vesna, and the Habs did win the Cup, despite no longer being the best team in the league. The best team in the league were the New York Islanders, and yeah. Brian Trottier won the Art Ross with 134 points, four ahead of Marcel Dion, who was again on the Kings, who I believe were hapless. Oh, no, they made the playoffs. They were 10th. <laughs> they were 10th. Wow. Um. And then Guy LeFleur only had 129. So he was five off the pace. Terrible year for Guy LeFleur. Um, <laughs> so uh, Brian Trottier, uh, you know, he led the league in assists. Um, he had he was, he was had 47 goals, but he was fifth in goals because Mike Bossy had lots. Uh, he had, Mike Bossie had 69. Um, but he was first in points per game by a lot. I mean, it... it Much like with the Guy Lafroix ones before, this seems pretty open and shut. He is the best forward in the league on the best team. They were only the best team by one point, but they were still the best team. SRS has them as far and away the best team, I should point out. Even though they had a slightly better record than the Habs, their goal differential was a lot better than the Habs. They scored... They
1: they were just... uh they were that sort of that burgeoning you know uh, dynasty waiting to happen and they yeah. just hadn't gotten over the hump yet and then you know the, the 79 they're the best team in the league and then they lose again and then the next year they're like okay now we're finally ready to win and then
0: don't win. yeah some somehow they lost to the rangers in in uh, yeah. the semifinals the rangers i believe the rangers went to the final that year yeah yeah and got their asses kicked in the yeah. finals um so so that's it <laughs> That's the uh, wow. That's the that expansion to merger It was a quick one, it was a lot fewer years Than original six um, Our next episode will be on uh, From the merger Until the, uh, the 95 work stoppage Strike thing, whatever you want to call it yeah. um, Which is Slightly more years uh, But is also going to be full of not very much Controversy because the first However many of those are Gretzky winning them yeah. And, uh, much, right? you know, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of heated debate about whether or not he should have won them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think 215 points should win you the, win you the heart trophy.
0: Man. No, no, no. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, um, well,
1: m- maybe next time when we get into the early 80s, though, um, or maybe we can just touch on it now. It's interesting that, you know, the Habs win those four straight and then the Islanders win those four straight. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I've always been really curious, one of the great what ifs of sports, what if Ken Dryden had not retired so prematurely and yeah. had played those years? Like, do the Habs win a couple more? Um, yeah. Do they end up playing like these, you know, incredible cup finals against the Islanders every year for, you know, four or five years? What does I, that I, do to the Oilers growing up? Like, it's, it's really interesting.
0: It does. It is. I can tell you from reading his book rather recently that he really didn't want to play anymore. And yeah, so, had, no, no, no. had he continued playing, who knows what product they would have gotten out of him? Because yeah, that's true. he was—he uh, was—he had—I'm uh, not sure he was unhappy, but he was like adrift. Yeah, um, I so, think it's just sort of
1: like I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm already really good at this, and I mean, other than to go for five and tie the 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 Habs record of five cups in a row from the '50s, yeah. like. What's, you know, you're, you're already so good at this. You're like, well, and he always wanted to be a lawyer and he went to school for that at, at Cornell. Yeah. So it's like, at a certain point, you just say, okay, I've done everything I can do in hockey. I've won, you know, this, the, you know, I was the winning goalie for, you know, the biggest game in Canadian hockey history. I've won, he, you know, he also, uh, I believe cups. he won
0: two NCAA championships too, yeah. I think. At least yeah, one. NCAA he won at least one. He yes. might have won two. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, just, just to, but, like, he, I think he sensed that it was start, it was, it was, they were on their way down.
1: Yeah, maybe. Wanted, or
0: he wanted to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that's the gist I, uh, that's the sense I got from reading the book was that he had some kind of inexpressible th- knowledge that they were not going to be the best in the world anymore. And he yeah. didn't, and he also, you know moved yeah, on to that it yeah, yeah, yeah i mean some
1: some guys when they retire it's like they're just like i don't want to do this anymore i've been doing this my whole life and i have other interests and, I, interest and, and you know, I gotta I, say yes yeah
0: i'm not a you know i'm not a football fan but i grew up with uh my dad to the extent that i knew about football would tell me about jim brown um ah, who is yes. who is perhaps not as uh <laughs> as great a figure as as he might seem in the past, given what we know about how he behaved towards women. But anyway, he, of course, retired while he was the best player in the world. And, uh, you know, Ken Dryden retired while he was. uh, And I should also point out my father went to Cornell at the same time as Ken Dryden. So I grew up like thinking Jim Brown and Ken Dryden were amazing. Um, yeah. despite actually being a baseball fan, at the time, there were the players in other sports. So like, I just, I knew one hockey player and I knew, uh, one football player. Um, yeah. but they both, the thing they had in common is they retired early. And yeah. so I always had this, this like idea that like, and, um, that if you're going to go out, go out on top. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I now as an adult, I now have a lot greater understanding of the pressures on people as to why they wouldn't do that, both financial yeah. and also uh ego wise but i've always had a lot of admiration for people like that who just who decided that they were done when they were done and didn't try to you know didn't try to like um i also have a lot of admiration for people who are able to play forever but like the people who yeah. are able to get out and and not have those years when they're like barely able to move and they're trying to yeah. play Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, 100%. Anyway.
1: yeah I'm, I'm 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 a big fan of that as well like i mean I, I think especially for a guy who's, you know, like, like Ray Bork at the end of his career and he finally wins that cup and it's like, yeah. you know, he's retiring that, yeah. minute, you know, like on, yeah. he's not playing again. He, he just wanted to do that one last little sort of cherry on top of his career and he has no desire to come back. Um, but I also, you know, now that we know what we know about concussions, I also have great admiration for guys who quit while they were still able to walk and have a good, yeah you know, good life no brain injuries no devastating you know knee like, like you know poor bobby or with his knees i mean god it's like a road map on his leg yeah. um just technology wasn't that good back then so when they when they gave you knee surgery they really had to cut you open you know um yeah. and uh, uh you were saying jim brown before and we're talking about ken dryden and in football barry sanders yeah about barry sanders years. too yeah. yeah yeah far and away the best running back in like just phenomenally good and he's just like this team's never going to win. Like I'm the only like great player on this team. be like, eh, I'm going to pack it up. And people are just like, I remember a guy writing an article about it and just like trying to understand. Wh- and he's just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I've been doing it my whole life. Like
0: yeah.
1: all I've ever been doing is just running and scoring touchdowns. And I'm so fast and so good. Nobody can catch me, but I want to go like live the rest of my life. Like I just, there's no point yeah. anymore. And it's like, because I mean, he, he would have shattered uh, Walter Payton's r- rushing record had he not retired, but he decided to retire. And I think he's still top five on the list. And he I, th- the I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in, in those days, not so much now, a lot of, uh, only quarterbacks seem to play until they're like grizzled veterans or maybe linemen. Yeah. But, uh, in those days, running backs did play until they were about 35. If they were one of the great ones, like they just, yeah. And that, uh, you know, the beating those guys take is just <laughs> absolutely insane. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, we, we both, uh, I think we both admire those guys who can make those decisions because it's a it's a tough decision. Um, But, you know, it's it's probably especially obviously Bobby Orr is an exception because he was already really hurt. But like, yes, with the case of Ken Dryden and Barry Sanders and Jim Brown, they they have their health, right? They retired at the peaks of their powers and were able to uh, not have it beat them down, which is really good for for them. Right.
1: Yeah. Or just. Or just sort of not even feel like they have to really explain themselves. Be like, you yeah. know, I, yeah. like I I won or I was clear. Well, Ken Dryden wrote a book win. about it.
0: <laughs> so he yeah. did sort of feel like he had to explain himself.
1: I, I, I guess. I think it was just an interesting. I think it was probably just him looking back and he he's yeah. become sort of a yeah. spokesperson for this state of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe just because he's the most eloquent guy who has the sort of like, yeah, he played at the highest level and won everything you could win. So he has that sort of, uh, you know, street cred um, yeah. where people will listen to him. But like he, you know, he maybe it's maybe he just felt it was time to add that explanation. in as he reviewed his career, because he knew a lot of people wondered why. And he's just like, you know what, I should explain it. But I, I, I don't think he ever sort of like apologized for it or felt like. No, no, know, no. I, I no, I mean, he, I mean, more.
0: I mean, more. He, he did like it's part of the book is like deciding not to play anymore and and that is something that like i don't think those other players have ever really offered right and anyway doesn't matter but uh, uh just just uh he did he does discuss it in the book is is um you know yeah because he wrote the book came out in like 83 or something i think okay initially oh yeah.
1: i i thought it was a much more recent book been... no
0: no he's got he's got other books recently but no this one was like eighty three or eighty four or something like okay. that. A few years after retired. Oh, very cool. All right. Uh that's it for us, uh, this episode. Uh we will be back soon with uh our eighties and crazy crazy eighties and crazy early nineties episode where scoring goes through the roof and people oh. Yeah. everyone's as I like to say it, my grandma scored twenty goals in nineteen ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope you will tune in for uh, that episode when we talk about her case for a heart trophy. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye-bye.